Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and you tune in today because you're sick of trying every fad diet under the sun and training yourself into the ground without seeing any results. That's why I'm here to share the most effective ways to eat and train for sustainable and real results. Hey guys, welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I have an absolute ripper of a show for you today. I'm joined by the king of glute training, Brett Contreras, and he's going to share with us some of the mistakes that he sees in glute training and also the characteristics of a good glute training program. And don't forget to stick around for this week's social media question of the week where I go into how many warm-up sets you should be doing before you train on the big lifts such as squats, bench, and deadlifts. So I'll give you my opinion anyway. So let's get stuck into this week's episode and let's kick things off with the interview with Brett. All right, Brett, firstly, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, mate. Um, what an honor. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So guys, as I mentioned in that brief intro, what I'm going to get Brett to do is quickly run over some of the characteristics of, well, I guess, some mistakes in glute training and characteristics of good glute training. So do you want to start things off with some of the biggest mistakes that you see in glute training? Okay, so I'll go over around seven different mistakes that people make. The first is just squatting for glute development. And I've never seen a single bodybuilder or bikini competitor ever just do one exercise for glutes or any other muscle group. But for some reason, I see this online. You guys might see it too, where you'll be doing an exercise and someone will say, just squat. And that's terrible advice for the masses Yes, some people can get good glute development for just squatting, but they have great glute genetics. Chances are, you the listener, I know f- for myself, I can't just squat and have optimal glute development. So do more than just squat. The second is training glutes just one time per week. And this is common in bodybuilding circles. Um, it's you know the body part split routines typically have you training a muscle one time a week. But my followers have seen great results from increasing the frequency, usually to around three times a week. So let's say you, you can do that a few different ways. You could, do, you could do three full body workouts a week, or you could do, even if you did a body part split, you could do like a quad and glute day, a hamstring and glute day, and then a separate glute day. And the quad and glute day could have like more squats and lunges. Um, and then the ham, ham and glute day could have more like deadlifts and stiff legs and back extensions. And then the dedicated glute day could have things like hip thrust and abduction movements. And on those three days, are you keeping the volume of those sessions low, moderate, or high? Because obviously three times a week at high volume is, is a lot. So is it Yeah, you might do like 12 sets of glutes each day, but then add in like on the quad days, some leg extensions, on yeah. the ham day, leg curls. Um, but yeah, around like, tw- so then you'd end up getting around 36 sets of glutes per week. Yeah. Which would be a lot. Yeah, <laughs> shit yeah. Okay, the next mistake would be not doing anything for the upper glutes. So there's two subdivisions of the gluteus maximus, the upper subdivision and the lower subdivision. And a lot of people will um, they'll, you know, do a lot of squats and lunges. Those don't activate the upper subdivision that much. So if, if, uh, if you do hip abduction, like especially frontal plane hip abduction work or horizontal uh, hip extension exercise like hip thrust or back extensions, then you start bringing in more upper glute development. So don't neglect the upper gluteus maximus. Um, and then the next is not doing any anteroposterior posterior horizontal based glute exercises. 
So if you think of squats and, and deadlifts and lunges and good mornings as being axial loaded, coming top to bottom, hip thrusts and back extensions and reverse hypers and pull throughs and glute bridges, those would be anteroposteriorly loaded or horizontally loaded relative to the body. And these have different hip extension torque angle curves. They, they tax you more at end range hip extension, which is actually the zone of maximum glute activation. So you want to be including those in your workouts. They also work a lot of, of upper and lower glutes. Um, they, they lead to the highest activation. So you don't want to neglect those. Okay, the next is thinking that cardio is going to yield good glute development. So cardio, if you're doing a good glute routine, cardio can't, it can't be synergistic. It can be synergistic with fat loss, but not with glute growth. It's not going to help you build any more glutes, but it could hamper your, your pursuits in developing nice glutes if it impacts your recovery. So um, I don't recommend, you do your, if you have to do your cardio, do your cardio, but don't think it's gonna help grow your glutes. You don't have to do cardio in a specific fashion like doing the step mill while kicking a leg back. That's not gonna help you with your glute growth. Um, the next one is getting injured by engaging in high risk activities. Um, for example, you'll see people who aren't, they aren't conditioned for plyometrics or sprinting or they'll jump into a certain sport without adequate preparation and they'll end up getting injured. And I always tell my clients, I can help you grow your glutes, but you have to stay injury free. If you hurt yourself and you're sidelined from injury, then you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to help you grow your glutes. So you have to work very hard to keep the goal the goal and don't hurt yourself um, because it's easy to grow glutes as long as you're, well, it's not easy, but it's much easier when you're not feeling good and pain-free compared to being injured. I think you used a good example yesterday as well, like someone who hasn't lifted for, you know, six months and then coming in and doing 10 sets of singles on a deadlift at 90% of their 1RM. It's like going someone that never sprints, never does any, um, you know, high-impact stuff, all of a sudden coming in and just doing 10 sets of a 100-meter sprint. Yep, and you see that um, the the you know a sprinter wouldn't take a year off of sprinting and then go run ten maximum hundred meter sprints. Yep. They know better, but you see this all the time with you know recreational lifters. They'll they'll the, you would you would know not to take a year off lifting and go do ten heavy maximum single deadlifts, one RMs. You would know that that would probably lead to injury, but. A lot of people go to the track and they warm up, you're feeling good, you start running and you'll run a bunch of 100 meter sprints and the next day you feel like you got beat with a cane and you can, you can be, you can, I've seen injuries to the, the um, SI joint, uh, the calves, the hamstrings, the body hip flexors and, uh, and it's terrible because then you can't train lower body very hard. You have to avoid a lot of exercises and so if you like those things, do them, but make sure you ease into them slowly, which is hard to do. Mm. And the last tip is just there's no buy-in. Uh, there's no fun. The, the workouts are, you got to enjoy your workouts. So whatever science says or whatever, you know, this coach or trainer says on paper, if you're not enjoying it, then you got to tweak it a little bit to where you believe in it and you have fun and you look forward to your workouts. So those are the main mistakes I see in glute training. Awesome, and there's a lot to take away from there, guys. Um, and and the talk that you did yesterday uh, was it yesterday or yeah. Saturday? Yeah, yesterday. 
um, you know, I took a lot away from that as well, and especially from this this next part we'll go over now. So, what are, in your opinion, some of the characteristics of good glute training and things that you would encourage the listeners to be doing to grow and get stronger in the glutes? Okay, I'm going to give you nine tips for this one. So, the first one is you want to be getting stronger on certain exercises. So, you need to have progressive overload on the big lifts uh, built into the program. Now, the exercises that are most conducive to getting stronger over time are things like hip thrusts, deadlifts, squats, leg press. Those are probably the four main ones. But they've got to be good variations for your anatomy. So you find variations of those that work well with your body. And you try to get stronger over time. Not every week, but, but every six months you should be a little bit stronger. Um, the next tip is to make sure you include variations of those big lifts, whatever they are for you. Squats, deadlifts, hip thrusts, you got to tinker around and, you know, because people have different hip range of motion, different shapes to their pelvises and, and heads of their femurs, and you have to find the right variations for you and the right stances and the right setup and the right manner of execution that works well for your body that leads to, you know, that, that helps you not experience any pain and also helps you feel it in your glutes the most. All right, the next tip is to have a good blend of vertical, horizontal, and lateral and rotary exercises. So you want around a third of your glute exercise to be vertical or axial, a third to be horizontal or, or anteroposterior, and a third to be lateral or rotary. And this way, you get a, you, you're gonna hit all the different uh, muscle fibers within the glutes. It also helps you manage fatigue because the axial are the most damaging and the hardest to recover from. The horizontal and lateral are not as hard to recover from. So it helps you perform more volume per week without overdoing it. The next tip is to make sure you perform a good blend of rep ranges, so high, medium, and low reps. So don't be afraid to go heavy. Go heavy sometimes, but also make sure you go moderate load and light load and and perform a lot of reps. Um, unless you hate, if you really hate going heavy, you don't have to. If you re- really hate doing high reps, you don't have to. But this probably leads to the best overall muscle development. But you can get muscular in a lot of ways. So remember what I said earlier about mm-hmm. buy-in. You can't, you're not going to see good results if you don't enjoy your workouts. So in general, try to hit all the rep ranges. And then goes, this goes along with that. Have a good blend of uh, high, medium, and low effort. Meaning, probably a third of your sets should be taken to failure. A third of your sets taken close to failure, like a couple reps shy. And then a third of your sets should be nowhere even close to failure. So don't think that all of your sets have to be these brutal sets where you can't possibly perform another rep. this is what I like about band movements and, and doing a lot of different lighter load movements. You don't really go to failure. You go when it's uncomfortable and you start burning. But you're not really, if someone held a gun to your head and said, do 10 more reps, you could do it. Um, and then another tip is, uh, well, a characteristic is the program naturally hits the upper and lower glutes. Now, if you're doing what I just mentioned, especially the vertical, horizontal, and lateral rotary exercises, then you will be doing that. Another characteristic is to focus on experiencing a lot of, of mechanical tension in the glutes. Mechanical tension is 
the main way that our muscles grow. There's evidence that metabolic stress and muscle damage can be helpful, but some people focus too much on the burn or the pump or being sore in the following days. And you want to be feeling a lot of tension on the glutes, feeling like you're using them. And that's not to say that the burn and the pump isn't useful. Um, they work too, and you should feel that. But soreness tends to be overrated. So you don't want to be crippled, you know, to the point where you, you're so sore for, you know, three straight days. That's overrated. Um, two more tips. Um, the program should allow for recovery and PRs. And also, deloads should be built into the programs. You can't train all out 52 weeks out of the year. You have to have some weeks where you leave some juice in the tank, where you're not going all out. And you have to be recovering. You have to be in recovery. It has to do with program design, but also has to do with sleep, nutrition, mindset, stress, and all the other things. So. You're not going to see good results if those things aren't, uh, in, you know, if you aren't having proper amounts and ideal level of those things too. So building glutes and, and bodybuilding in general is a 24-hour endeavor. You can't just slack, you know, hit it hard in the gym for an hour or two and then slack the remaining hours. Awesome stuff, guys. That's, that's uh, advice coming from the glute king himself, Brett Contreras. So thanks, thanks again for joining, joining us on the show, mate. I know the audience will take an absolute shitload from today's episode. Great. Thanks for having me once again. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, legends, how good was that? Now, Brett was a very down-to-earth guy who was very willing to give me some of his time, and I learned a lot from him over the weekend. I actually just spent the weekend at the Ultimate Evidence-Based Conference with a number of the best evidence-based coaches in the world, and Brett was amongst those coaches there, and I took a lot away from the weekend that I'm going to be now able to apply to my personal training, so face-to-face coaching also my online coaching, and even my content that I can share with you guys. So if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you do take a screenshot of the show, post it on your Instagram story, tell a friend about today's episode because I know a lot of people can benefit from today's show and what had and what Brett had to say. So let's get stuck into this week's social media question of the week. And I mentioned at the start of the show that uh, the question that I received this week is how many warm-up sets should you be doing before the big lifts such as squats, bench and deadlifts. Now, it does come down to the individual, but what I always like to do is, firstly, I'll always start with the bar. So I do a warm-up set with the bar, and every warm-up set should be performed as if you're doing your working sets. So you're lifting with intensity, and you're lifting in a way that you would if you had you know, the heaviest weight you've ever lifted on the bar. From there, I'll add a little bit of weight, so I'm still very light, and just working my way through the movement pattern, trying to get a good feel for the exercise. And then from there, I like to do maybe another two or three before I get to my working weight. So in total, I'm probably doing, including the set with the bar, anywhere between three and five warm-up sets. But the key is to not over-fatigue, or even really fatigue at all, before you get into your working weight. Um, And then from there, your last warm-up set should be a roughly... I would say between 70 and 80% of your working weight. 
and it doesn't and it shouldn't be the amount of reps that you're about to do so if i'm going to do a set of eight reps on a bench press my last warm-up set may be one to two reps at that 70 or 80 percent of my one rm or whatever weight i'm about to be using um, so I hope that's helped, but really it does come down to the individual and it does depend on, you know, you know, I know some people that can come into the gym, do a quick warm up, they might do one set with the bar or one set with a lightweight and then get stuck straight into their working weight. For me, that doesn't feel great. Some days it does. If I'm in a rush, I can really get going straight away. Other days, it takes even more than you know that three to five warm-up sets until I feel good. I might do my activation, my mobility, um, all that good stuff, then a number of warm-up sets before I get into my working sets. So I'm very glad that you have tuned into today's show. If you haven't hit that subscribe button already, please do do that for me now. Leave a review on the podcast if you've enjoyed it. Give it a five-star rating, of course. Uh, the more ears on the podcast we can get, the better because the more people we can help. So today's episode, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope you have as well. Like I said, if you did, make sure you share it with your friends, whether it be on social media or just tell someone about the episode. And I can't wait to share the next one with you as well. Have a great day.